It's such a shame that anyone would miss what is faith in God through Jesus Christ. It's such a shame that people would come to worship so often and not feel something as powerful as the presence of God. It's such a shame that many people are yearning to experience spirituality in a way that they never have. It's such a shame. For God, king of the world, if you will, would not have any to miss the opportunity to sing praises to his name. The scriptures in both the Old Testament and the New Testament portray God as king of the universe, his son as the earthly king. The source of power behind everything that is, you have to kind of let that sink in. It, it's so large, it's so awesome as we've been singing. It, it stretches to the farthest corners. It goes to the deepest places. It has within its very essence life and life-giving power. God is the force behind everything good, behind everything lovely, behind everything that is truth, behind everything that is life. It's, it's just, all you can do is sing and listen to the beautiful voice of Tara as she leads us in that song and to just soak in the worship this morning. You kingdom dwellers are so lucky. You probably don't even know how lucky you are. You're not only lucky, you're blessed. And you're blessed by the music ministry of this church. It's funny now, my son-in-law has been here and worshiped one time in this congregation. I don't think he's here today. It was an iffy plan, iffy because of my new granddaughter, uh, who is not fully cooperative yet. She Give her another week or two, and she'll be on board. I'm trying to find my wife, too. Did she ever show up today? Are you here, Sally? There she is, a little wandering gypsy, as someone called her this morning. <laughs> There's a lady over here in the far back that wants to talk to you today. Did she find you? Well, no, she didn't. Well, stand up so they still see where you are. Yes, just stand up. What time did you get here this morning, dear? I want to check. <laughs> Kingdom time. There's my wife that you were looking for. There she is. So, okay. Thank you, darling. Glad you made it. Kingdom living is going to be a little tougher for me this afternoon now. The kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, which is really the same thing in the scriptures, are all about the sovereignty of God. It's all about the rule of God upon this creation. And not only upon this creation, but all of the universe. All, everything that's created, everything outside of heaven is about God's sovereignty to us. Now, everything in heaven is already about all of God's sovereignty. The only one who ever was not willing to submit to that sovereignty had his he was kicked out of heaven, booted out of the heavenly clan so that heaven would be pure and undefiled. It would be a place where God's reign was perfect. Satan cannot go there. Now, Jesus came to earth, and he brought heaven with him. He dispensed the sovereignty of God in new and amazing ways. And that's why I picked out these verses right out of the middle of a longer pericope of Scripture in order that I might 
speak directly to one thing today. The kingdom of God is... Now, this could be a really long sermon, but I really am watching my watch, and it does mean something. Not a lot, but something. And that something is that I want you to leave here today convinced that the sovereignty of God for those who are living in the kingdom is not an option, one option among many. It is the option that is intended for us all. Sovereignty of God means relinquishing yourself to the rule and guidance of the Lord God Almighty. To claim the kingdom of God as your heavenly residence is to claim the rule of God in your life. Now, if you walk too far from the rule of God in your life, just like on the stage, you'll get into shadows and the light won't be so clear. No one needs to know that any better than youth. Yeah. Y'all move around fast. And sometimes you move out of the light into the shadow before you even know it. And then when you wake up, you realize you've gone so far in the shadows that now you're in darkness and you feel out of control. You need to get back to the light just as soon as possible. Thank goodness the adults are never that way. (laughs) You see them laughing, right? You get it, right? They know. They know that we too are prone to wander into the shadows of life and to leave the rule of God. Why? There's only one reason why kingdom dwellers end up in darkness. And it is because we refuse to accept the light of the rule of God. That's what happens. Oh, we blame it on all kinds of things. But we who are in the kingdom already have tasted of its glory and of its awesome power and love only wander away because we begin to refuse to acknowledge the rule of God in our lives. It happens to us all from time to time because we are human. Sometimes we're forgetful. Sometimes we've not yet understood. Sometimes we've not given God enough time to move far enough in our, in our walk to even know that we've wandered astray. And in truth, even when you go very deep into the gospel very young in your life, you'll continue to go deeper and realize that you have had some shadows in your life in the past. Because you see, this thing of the kingdom of God is so big and so awesome that we cannot even comprehend it fully because we are bound on this earth that is not obviously completely in control of God. Only because God has limited God's own sovereignty to human will and to the reality of sin until God returns. Now, don't get me wrong. God is sovereign. God can do whatever God wants to do, period. Just like John Calvin taught it. God can do that. However, God has chosen to limit himself in some areas. When we willfully turned away from God in our sin, God allowed the penalty of death to come. Not because God wants us to ever die. He didn't intend for us to ever die when he created us. But because our willfulness gets in the way of the perfect will of God. And that continues throughout our life. It is a struggle. Now, if you're here today and it's no longer a struggle for you at all, there is no struggle with you in seeing your life, would you please stand up so we can give you a round of applause? Yeah, I know, right? I'm standing up, but it's a function of preaching. Trust me. And if I want you to know any more about that, I'll share it with you. But the reality is that we have this thing inside us with this gift of self-will We have become selfish. We have become creatures who spend most of our profitable moments worrying about our earthly life. 
This passage, as I said, coming toward the end of a pericope, begins with so much more. And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to their life? Verse 27. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? It precedes the verses that Brad read earlier. If you go all the way back, he talks about, I say to you, do not be worried about your life. Well, truthfully speaking, most of us worry about our life all the time, don't we? It seems to be a human predicament that most of our life is concentrated on worrying about making a living, upon worrying about how long we'll live, upon worrying about how long our next-door neighbor will live or how long they'll live next door to us, <laughs> upon worrying about our boss and what our boss is doing to us at work. We worry about anything. And once our children are grown and most of our sources for worry are gone, we worry about our spouse more. And we worry about our grandchildren who aren't born or when they will be born. We worry constantly. Now, I know you worry. God forgive us, we just do. But there is a reward for every kingdom dweller, and that is kingdom dweller. If you're a kingdom dweller, would you stand up? I just want to be sure I got this right. If you're a kingdom dweller, will you stand up? Now, if you stay sit, sitting down, that means you're not a kingdom dweller or you can't stand up. Now, if you can't stand up, I'm okay with you remaining seated, but I want to be straight before we leave here. Okay, everybody is claiming kingdom dwelling. It looks like, yep, okay, you can sit down now. I don't believe that. There's one that's got a baby, but it's okay. You see, and this is what it means to live in the kingdom. God understands that you've got a little sleeping baby in your lap. Isn't she precious? She is. And if you wake her, it would be bad in the kingdom. So thank you for not standing. I know you, though. I know your heart as well as a human can. Now, since we're all kingdom dwellers, let's just agree to just stop the worrying. If I could give you a gift, if God could give you a gift, he would give you the gifts of removing the anxiety from your life. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not suggesting you go home and sit at the kitchen table and just wait for God to drop off your paycheck next week. That's not free from worry. That's called being stupid. <laughs> I don't want you to confuse the rule of God with the sovereignty of God if God intends for you just to sit down on your carcass and enjoy life. No, that's not it. What God wants you to do is quit worrying about whether or not you'll have a roof over your head or you'll have food to eat to the extent that you seek that first in your life. Now, here's the sad thing, and I'm sorry, but it is. The sad thing is we worry about that more than we worry about our heavenly inheritance. We worry about that more than we worry about someone else's inheritance. You know, as I said, we. You say, how do you know we? How do you know we're worrying about that? Well, one little reason I know that is because so far I only have about eight of these. What are your talents? What is your passion in life right now? Do you know what your spiritual gifts are? Can you identify them? And on the back it says name, date. Do you prefer working with adults, youth, or children? Somebody wrote other. Uh, <laughs> 
No, they didn't really. I just make it. Just see if you were listening. Would you like to serve on a committee, a ministry team, or a one-time task force? How much easier does it get than this? You say, well, I don't, I don't really want to live in the kingdom, but I don't really intend to serve. Do you know there's a back door to the kingdom? Now I'm not laughing. Do you know that you can take yourself out of the kingdom the same way you put yourself in? Now I'm not saying that if you don't fill out this card, you're going out the back door, but it is a thought that crosses my mind. <laughs> if I were king, I'd probably make that rule. But let's just remember some things about the kingdom as we understand it in Scripture. Absolute power, unlimited except by God, unlike earthly kings, which some people really don't like in the modern days calling Jesus king. They say it's a bad metaphor because, you know, when you talk about Jesus as king, it brings to mind all the rotten kings of the world. Okay, it does. Let's see. Were there any rotten kings before Jesus came to earth? They were worth it. And what did God call Jesus through inspiration of the Holy Spirit when Jesus came? What was he? King. You know, if that metaphor is okay with God to call his son king, I'm okay with using it because I believe that most people have enough sense to know there's a difference between a godly king and the king of all kings than there is a bad king, right? I mean, I know the difference between a bad doctor and a good doctor. You say, well, how do you know the difference of that? I don't get well with the good doctors. I mean the bad doctors, excuse me. <laughs> I don't, the bad doctors, they make too many mistakes. The bad doctors are more interested in me writing my check than they are talking to me about my illness. Those are bad doctors. But you know, they're the same thing of truth, teachers. You know what bad teachers do? They don't pay attention to their students. They try to teach so they can get a $100 raise for a bonus or some kind of nonsense. You know, bad teachers are like bad preachers. Whoops. Yeah, they are out there. Some are just more productive than others, and that's not a feature of badness. But some, they are bad. Some teachers prey on students, but that doesn't mean teacher is a bad metaphor. It means that some teachers shouldn't be teachers. So I'm not going to apologize for using the word king. If that sounds too much like a military to you, well, get over it because I'm going to keep using it this morning anyway because it's in the scriptures and I believe that we ought to use it. So there's that little exercise. God is never tyrannical, never abusive as king of the world in Jesus, period. Secondly, the kingdom of God is at the heart of the gospel message of Jesus. If you don't have kingdom of God language, if you don't have kingdom of God mentality, you're not going to get what Jesus is talking about. God was Jesus' king. Let's be clear. He was the ruler of Jesus' life, so much so that he could rebuke Satan, so much so that he could go to the cross and die for us, so much so that when no one else understood Jesus, Jesus knew that God did and Jesus obeyed him perfectly because God was his king. Thirdly, kingdom work will be completed when Jesus returns. Until Jesus returns, kingdom work is not over. We have to keep laboring away in a world that's dented, bruised, and sometimes almost overcome. 
especially in individual circumstances, by the sin in our world. Let's get to the second thing. The kingdom, though present, is a limited reality only because of sin and because God has given us freedom to exercise here on earth. It is still, however, that defining characteristic of belonging to Jesus is that we are livers in the kingdom of God and workers in the kingdom of God. Now, caution. This means radical trust. Now, in the old days, when you talked about a king, the king had absolute control over everybody. We have a hard time with that. We don't get that. That's certainly not what we see in England. Uh, I don't even know why they have a king or a queen. They really don't have any power. But they look good, and they live in a big castle. But I know I'm shedding my ignorance about their kingdom and their queenship, but I'm all right with that. Just to say that kingdom in this biblical sense is talking about a radical, radical trust. A trust in God's ways as we perceive them and as we understand them through the study of the Scripture. What that means is what I'm saying is it's a radical trust. It's so radical that when I believe something wholeheartedly and I learn from Scripture that what I believe does not agree with Scripture, then I change my ways. That's called radical obedience. It means that when I understand something is wrong, I say no to it and turn away. It's radical because we still like what we believe. It means I trust God more than I trust my own brain. It means that whenever it seems illogical for me to make the kingdom of God my first goal in life and seeking it first above all else, that that's the best thing for me. My brain says, whoa, wait a minute, Doug, whoa, retirement, boo, retirement. They're not going to send you any money when you retire if you don't work. Retirement is secondary to kingdom pursuit. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these other things will be added unto you. It's clear in what Brad read. Earthly living, high on my list. I like earth. I I like it better when Texas wins. I like it better when it's 75 degrees and I'm on the golf course. I like it better when I'm fishing sometimes, occasionally, especially if fish are biting. I like it better when my house is nice and neat and the air conditioning works, nothing's going wrong, and my car drives up and down the road. I like all that stuff. But every bit of it, including my physical health, is secondary to my pursuit of the kingdom of God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these other things will be added to it. And, by the way, all those cares and anxieties can be done away with. Does it mean my life will be perfect? Second, caution. First, it's a radical trust. Second, no, it does not mean that everything will be a rose garden at your house. You know why? Because some of you are married to sinners. Some of you youth have parents that are sinners. It keeps your, it keeps your life just messed up, right? Some of you have little demons you've raised. Not any of y'all, of course. I'm sure they've already graduated and gone. But, you know... The, Not truly demons, but, you know, kids are always pushing you, you know, pushing the buttons. Life is not perfect on earth. If you're waiting for the perfect earth, for Jesus to fix it, you're going to have to be here until the second coming. Now, I don't know how long you're going to live, but it's been 2,000 years since he was here before. It might be past next week. So if you're waiting for the perfect earth in order to start celebrating kingdom living, you better get started on kingdom living now. You better start having the joy now. 
Because Jesus is not going to override all the sin that we and others collectively have created in this world to make our little abodes perfect. It's not going to happen until Jesus returns. And if Jesus returns, all else is secondary, right? I mean, once Jesus returns, I don't have to preach anymore. You don't have to listen anymore because we'll be singing all day long. Now, surely there's some other kind of work for us to do in heaven, but it's going to be so easy, right? It's not going to be anything like this earthly toil, right? That's what we think, we believe, we hope, we pray. Thirdly, this entrance is by faith in this radical trust in God for eternal salvation, for earthly care, for earthly meaning and purpose. So do away with the anxieties. Exercise your radical faith in God. Believe what is written as you understand it. And do what you need to do by submitting yourself to God on earth. Now, this radical trust in God will change things. Again, I've already said, it's not a reason just to sit around and wait for God to do it for you. God is not going to snap his fingers and the witness of the Holy Spirit suddenly change every heart in America. No. Salvation is God's work, but God has chosen to save people through other humans as well as through the natural order. And if we sit on our spiritual carcass and do not go out and do the work of evangelism in Carrollton, Texas, we will not add to the kingdom of God except through our foreign mission work. And if we quit doing that, that part of our work will die away as well. God will not do it unless we cooperate with God because that is God's plan. Now, you may say, well, that's a bad plan. Well, I understand that thinking. I thought when God left his, his whole faith, his whole deal after Jesus died, he left with 11 men, and they weren't all that great. I would have left it with more people if I'd have been Jesus, but Jesus didn't do it. He left it with 11. And it hadn't worked out so bad. Looked like God knew what he's talking about. I'm convinced that if the church will realize that this part of the kingdom is meant to cooperate with the greater realms of the kingdom in order for the world to be saved, we'll finally realize that while heaven will not come completely upon this earth, lives can still be changed today. People can still be reached if we begin to do this kingdom work. The kingdom of God is the inward rule of God in people of the kingdom. It's obedience. Secondly, it's a way of living in our world. And all through Matthew, it talks about that, doesn't it? The kingdom of God. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you when you are persecuted for my name's sake, for your reward is great, and you will inherit the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is for people who are willing to change the way they live, who are willing to have their brains surgically changed by the touch of the Spirit. They are willing to let their hard hearts be melted and reconstrued in grace and love and forgiveness. For kingdom dwellers, this is the place, this is the realm where we serve until we're called home. Now, how important is this? Important, it's so important, this life-changing thing that we inherit through faith that changes the very character of our lives that Jesus told a parable about it. And it's in Matthew 25. And that parable comes ringing true whenever you get uh, moving along to about verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory 
and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne, and all the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them from one another. As a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, and he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Faith is so important. But when we have faith and we do not yield in obedience to the presence of the kingdom that God has given us through faith, we do not allow our hearts to be so transformed and our minds to think so differently that we begin to act like unlike the rest of the world that is unbelieving, then when that time comes, we're liable to find ourselves, if we're not careful, in the goat pen instead of the sheep pen. Now, I know there's a whole world of Christians out there that believe that's not possible. I get that. There. They don't believe that that's true. Then the king will say to those on the left, Depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they answered, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not take care of you? Then he answered them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did not do it, to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. These will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Strong words. I'm going to close now because I can't say it any better than what is written there. If you can't find yourself where you can't acknowledge the lordship in your life, if you are claiming the kingdom of God and you don't really care about feeding the poor, you don't really have any time to take care of those in prison. You don't really care whether children have clothes on their back or not. If you find yourself a kingdom dweller, but you're really doing very little to change other people's lives, you have a problem. You have a problem. We are the richest nation on earth, and most of it is spent on us. And it's true right down to the smallest decibel. We know that the people in the Philippines in that city are devastated by the thousands. Homes completely gone. How much were you able to contribute to that? No. How much did you contribute to that? Because you see, how much you could have given is probably quite a bit different than what you gave. Maybe you're saving it for another rainy day, another need, and if so, that's good. But if you're saving it for another better something for you, maybe that's not kingdom living. 
Now, I know that's hard to tell just how much is enough. I get that. I've lived in the same country just like you all my life. I know it's hard to make that kind of determination. And unfortunately, I'm older than I want to admit, and I've not got it all figured out. But I also know I struggle with it constantly. How much is enough? And how much should I be giving away? If we don't have that struggle going on inside us, we need to check our kingdom membership. God forbid that I go to spend eternity and I don't see your smiling face because I'm, I'm getting used to most of you. Did you notice that's in most of you? I'm getting used to seeing your face. I don't want you to be fooled. I think they're gonna, they were going to throw some words on the screen for me. Is that still possible? Yeah, here it comes. I love that first song we sang. I don't recall having heard that before. I probably have. My memory is not what it once was. That's part of living in this world too. But those words in that first song we're singing about, this, uh, this grace, this amazing grace, thank you. I was looking for that refrain. Don't worry, I'm not going to change closing songs on you. Didn't mean to throw you in panic. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love, that you would take my place, that you would bear my cross. That's what Jesus did for us. And what's that other one? You laid down your life that I would be set free. Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. Well, I don't want you just to sing. I want you to deny yourself, take up your cross, and do for others what Jesus did for you. Then the kingdom of God will come upon this earth.